Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I'm so excited for you to hear my podcast with Dr. Isabella Wentz. We're going to be talking all about adrenal transformation and how to go from surviving to thriving with her new protocol. So if you haven't heard about Dr. Isabella Wentz, she is a compassionate, innovative, solution-focused, integrative pharmacist dedicating to finding the root causes of chronic health conditions. Her passion stems from her own diagnosis with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in 2009, following a decade of debilitating symptoms. And Dr. Wentz has written several best-selling books, including Finding and Treating the Root Cause, the protocol-based number one times bestseller, Hashimoto's Protocol, a 90-day plan for reversing thyroid symptoms and getting your life back, as well as the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology, Nutrition Protocols and Healing Recipes to Take Charge of Your Thyroid Health. Her latest book, The Thyroid Transformation Protocol, is already released April 2023. And this is a protocol. This is a book that focuses on resetting the body's stress response through targeted safety signals and features a four-week program that has already helped over 3,500 individuals. And this program has an impressive success rate with over 80% of participants improving their brain fog, fatigue, anxiety, irritability, sleep issues, and libido. We had a really fun conversation. I really hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Wentz and that you walk away feeling empowered to transform your adrenals. Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I'm so excited to introduce my dear colleague, Dr. Isabella Wenz, and we're going to be talking all about how to transform your adrenal health. Welcome, Dr. Wenz. It's really an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Well, we met briefly years ago at Mindshare, uh, kind of a really fun health and wellness influencer circle. And at that time, you were at the peak of your Hashimoto's protocol book that really tipped the consciousness of people who had thyroid illness and really educated people and got so many people help out there. And now we're turning to adrenals. And in my world, they're so interconnected, right? We cannot talk about thyroid health without adrenal health. And we cannot talk about adrenals without thyroid. You know, we have this symphony and orchestra of our endocrine system. And so why don't you just maybe walk us through like your, you know, your transformation from conventional pharmacist to to this expert in alternative medicine, and then we can kind of get us to present day with your adrenal transformation. Um, Really wonderful book that we're going to talk about. Oh, absolutely. So in full disclosure, I was never interested in the thyroid gland during pharmacy school. I kind of learned, I remember learning that people had hypothyroidism. It was more likely to happen when they got older and that they should be prescribed levothyroxine, right? And that was kind of the, the main points that I learned in pharmacy school. And so I was like, oh, how boring. Wasn't really interested until I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in my 20s after a decade of some really annoying, frustrating, strange, debilitating symptoms. I had chronic fatigue. So I had to sleep for 12 hours a night. If I woke up too early, I would have digestive issues. Like I would have diarrhea and bloating. I had just this kind of suppression of my vitality that really started in undergrad and then continued in graduate school with the IBS and that progressed into anxiety and panic attacks. And then I ended up with acid reflux. And then I ended up with carpal tunnel in both arms and 
Finally, what kind of got to me was I started getting hair loss and me being a Leo, I was like my hair, something is really going on. And I was going to doctors every year. I was a good girl getting my tests done and getting everything. And, you know, I just kept talking about I'm tired and I have all these symptoms. And most of them were like, okay, well, everybody's tired. You're probably just stressed. We tested you. You don't have anemia, right? You don't have any of these issues, right? Maybe do you want a referral to a psychiatrist or anxious? Should we give you an antidepressant? You know, you're a pharmacist. Do you have OCD, right? Like all, all these things that were just not super empowering. And finally, I found somebody that was willing to do a little bit more deeper digging. And I found that I had thyroid antibodies and I had TPO antibodies were in the 2000 range, right? And thyroid globulin antibodies in the 600 range. And so, you know, as a doctor, that's high, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you went through this journey and then, you know, what were like the first steps? I mean, did you go the conventional route for a little bit or did you just automatically start looking at like root cause? Like, you know, this has to be, you know, my thyroid isn't, you know, in isolation. It's, you know, connected to the rest of my body. Like how much did you suffer before you got, before you got better, really? So it was 10 years before I was diagnosed. And at that point, I was sort of like, it was a very steep learning curve. I wanted to figure out what I could do and what I had done to develop an autoimmune condition in my 20s. Because I had thought that women, older women developed this condition, right? And I was excited to take thyroid medications. But at the same time, the thyroid medications, like they helped me go from 12 hours of sleep a night to like 11 hours of sleep huge improvement for me, right? But at the same time, I still had the carpal tunnel. I still had pain in my body and the awful fatigue and the hair loss and and all of these things. And I was going to different doctors and they were saying like, your hair loss is not related to your thyroid. So that was the endocrinologist. And then I'd go to a dermatologist that specialized in hair loss. And she's like, that's your thyroid. And I was just like, okay, what's going on? And I had acid reflux. I'm going to get the gastroenterologist. I had palpitations. So that was the cardiologist. And I was like, couldn't this all be somehow connected? How do I, you know, is there anything I can do from a lifestyle perspective or like what caused this? What, is there anything I can do? And that's how I kind of got into the the world of integrative medicine, natural medicine, functional medicine, how I became an, I guess, an expert. It was through being a human guinea pig, right? Just trying things and researching. And really it took me about... Gosh, I was diagnosed in 2009 and I tried a variety of things. I tried like the coconut oil over my thyroid. That did not work. (laughs) I'll spare you the details, right? Your your skin was really moisturized around your thyroid. My skin was gorgeous, but just, you know, I still had a thyroid issue, right? I, I tried a whole bunch of different modalities. And finally, it was around 2011 where I was like, I'm just gonna, January, I'm gonna, take charge of my own health and figure this out. And I came across nutrition and holy cow, the gluten-free diet and the dairy-free diet within three days, my acid reflux that I had for years, I had this awful chronic cough vanished, my bloating and IBS vanished and the carpal tunnel that I had went away. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then kind of kept peeling back the layers. Eventually I heard about adrenal fatigue and it was like, you know, you look it up and from a 
pharmacist standpoint, it was like, you go to the reputable websites and it doesn't exist, right? Adrenal fatigue is not a thing. And then finally I took like the 15th person of talking about it. And I was like, okay, I do have all the symptoms. Let me try the interventions. And they worked. (laughs) And so, yeah, I've been, I've been talking about adrenals for a decade now, but being a new mom, I did come across a new way to support and transform adrenal health. So that that's where I am today. Awesome. You know, we're always evolving, right? You know, through our own experience and then through our knowledge, right? You know, our protocols, our kind of information that we're, you know, digesting is evolving and with that, our protocols evolve, right? And so, no, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what shifted within you and what you learned. And, you know, one of the things I just want to touch on before we go and dive deep into that is that, yeah, you've had a, such a wonderful website over the last you know, more than a decade now. And I remember, you know, I, I'm a type of doctor where I look at like toxicants and pathogens and trauma and how they manifest in all these, you know, labels, right. And so autoimmune illness and Hashimoto's being one of them. And I've sent so many people to an article. I, I didn't look it up before the podcast, but it was on blastocystis hominis and how that could trigger, you know, antibodies and Hashimoto's and autoimmunity. And like you really kind of nailed how to talk about how infections can, uh, not only food, of course, food's so important, but also how these infections can trigger autoimmunity. Because in the conventional medical system, you know, to say someone has an autoimmune illness is like so disempowering, right? It's like, oh my God, your body's fighting itself and you're always going to have to have this. And there's really like only medication and this and that. And so you have unwound a lot of underlying trigger causes and triggers of, you know, quote, autoimmunity, which I really appreciated. So I, I'm sure you remember that article, but I just wanted to say that before we moved to adrenals. Oh, thank thank you so much for bringing up that article. I feel like this was one of the things that I'm like very proud of getting the message out about blastocystis hominis and the Hashimoto's connection. So I started seeing that in my clients when I was doing stool testing with them, that a big percentage of them had this pathogen. And I reached out to my mentor, Dan Kalish, and I was like, is this what you see as well in the general population? And he said, no, no, I think you're onto something, right? And so the incredible thing that would happen is we would treat the infection. And in many cases, like the food sensitivities would, not all of them, not the gluten and the dairy, but most of the other ones would go away, including grain sensitivities and some of the sugar issues. And in some cases, in many cases, the thyroid antibodies would reduce sometimes in the remission range. And if we caught it early enough, then we'd be able to prevent damage to the thyroid gland. And so I had one particular client that had just, he knew exactly when his irritable bowel syndrome started and that's when his thyroid antibodies started and we were able to catch that. And then we were able to resolve his irritable bowel syndrome and prevent the attack on his thyroid gland. And it's amazing when we can make that connection. And and it's, it's not always the same pathogen in everybody. I'm very, very excited that there were now articles in medical journals that have been published on the connection between blastocystis hominis and Hashimoto's. And they've done a few case studies as well as like a small trial. And you know, the, the pathogens we have, they can modulate our immune system, right? So they can shift us into more of an autoimmune state. And sometimes if you can find them and clear them, then the immune system can shift back into more of that healthy state. And it's just incredible because like 
so many people focus on like immune dysfunction, immune dysfunction, but I'm like, what is the cause of it? Right. Yeah. No, we think alike. No, I can totally agree with you because, you know, sometimes I've, I've seen some patients, they get really hung up on food and food is important. Don't get me wrong. Like there's so many <laughs> things poisoning Americans and, and in our culture right now that we have to be aware of. And I'm all for education there, but you know, we're this ecosystem, right? And we are, you know, we have a virome and a microbiome and a mycobiome and, you know, all these things. And, you know, there are often these infections that get out of balance. And I, I see that a lot too, with like allergies and mast cell and histamine and this whole conversation, which is awesome right now that people are digging more and understanding this profound sensitivity in people, but it's like, there's parasitic infections, your mold illness underneath. And so you were early on to that. And I, I just want to make the comment here too, that you just said, because I have also observed this. So for our listeners, right, that, you know, yes, there are certain foods like gluten, dairy, constitutionally, we know they can be pro-inflammatory, but you know, when people get to restrict so much food, you know, that's not, you know, balance, that's not health, right? And I had a patient who was a naturopath, so she was able to test herself a lot. And she grew up on a farm, she would have like anaphylactic food allergies, uh, like IgE. And when she started parasite cleansing, her anaphylactic allergies changed and she could eat things that she never thought she could eat again. So I, it just illustrates your point. And I just wanted to like, you know, dial it in in case it's a new thought for some people who are listening. Yeah. It's amazing because, you know, if you go to immunology that I'm sure many professionals had when they went to graduate school, I know I did, we were taught about the IgE system, immune system. So what is IgE? And I remember studying and it was allergy, IgE, eosinophils and, and parasites, right? That could set off that pathway. Totally, totally. I know it's like a no brainer, right? We look at eosinophils and IgE and, you know, Amer a lot of Americans have parasites. So if you're not onto that and you're struggling out there, just you know, find somebody who's, who's open to having this conversation. So, you know, you already have been talking about adrenal health with your Hashimoto's protocol. And then you mentioned something, you mentioned that you have like this new sense and new protocol around how to address the adrenal. So kind of walk us through how you have this new understanding at this point. So when I first started working with people and just the work that I've done with myself and had practitioners guide me on, with supporting adrenals, it was focused on utilizing like hormones. So you have not enough cortisol in the morning, you can utilize hydrocortisone to lift that up, or you can utilize pregnenolone to lift that up, right? And in the evenings, if you have too much, you can modulate that, you can do some phosphatidylserine or something else to kind of bring that down. And that's kind of the, you know, the protocols of testing and kind of modulating that response that I was initially trained in, and they can work very, very well. But it got tricky when I started working with educating people online, because it's not like I didn't feel necessarily comfortable to tell people to like just use hormones on their own, right? So I was like, okay, what can we do from a lifestyle standpoint? And it was like quit caffeine, yeah, right? And make sure that you're sleeping 10 to 12 hours a night and kind of like sleep it off and just do some more of these intensive lifestyle changes and... <sighs> Then I had my son and I read the books that said children could sleep at age three months. My son did not read that book, right? And so I found myself with an eight-month-old baby that was keeping me up awake a lot throughout the night. 
And one of the fastest ways to get into that adrenal dysfunction state is through sleep deprivation. Right around eight months is when it happened for me, where I just felt like, oh, wow, I've been really sleep deprived for so long. And I think my adrenals are crashed again. And sure enough, I did a Dutch test and my adrenals, my cortisol curve was flatlined, right? And I'm like, okay, now, but wait, what am I going to do now? Because I can't take pregnant alone. I can't take DHEA. Like, I don't want my baby to grow like chest hair, right? Like, (laughs) I I don't really know. Like, I'm not comfortable with using it. Maybe some practitioners are. I was not like trained in working with, with new moms or anything like that. And then I was like, well, I can't sleep for 10 to 12 hours a night. Wouldn't it be nice if I could, right? And I also was like, I used to recommend quitting coffee, but you know, like coffee did not cause this. Coffee is like helping me get through this. And then I kind of had this shift, you know, there was, there's always clients that I've helped and my goal is to help as many people as I possibly can. But I always think about the clients that I haven't been able to help, right? And they kind of go through my mind and I look for patterns. And I'm like, okay, the people who, you know, were having trouble having energy throughout the day and they were waking up all times throughout the night and they had pain in their bodies. I thought that it was their coffee addiction that was causing it. And I told them to quit the coffee. And then they were like, I'm still exhausted, still in pain. I'm waking up throughout the night. But like you took the last ounce of joy out of my life (laughs) when you asked me, Coffee's big for people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And some people self-medicate with it. And I just kind of came to the realization that the coffee addiction is more of a symptom than a cause for, for some people. And so the protocols that I really focused on that I used initially with myself and then ended up, you know, rolling out to my community were really focused on the things that I can do that were generally safe and were adaptogenic in nature. So adaptogenic herbs, I focused on restoring B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, electrolytes. And then I also focused on mitochondrial support. So the abbreviation for the book is Adrenal Transformation Protocol. It's ATP, right? There's a reason for that. And what really can help a person restore their energy levels and help them become more resilient utilizing those adaptogens and all of the nutrients that are depleted, but also supporting your mitochondrial health and supporting your gut health. So my protocol from a nutritional standpoint, from a supplement standpoint, it focuses on those things. And then we also focus on a lot of connecting with the circadian rhythm and a lot of transformational work. So personal transformation work and building resilience in a nutshell. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It seems like you just went even deeper and connected a lot of dots. And, you know, we can talk about all of it. It just even landing on circadian biology, I feel like that is so important. And we live in a time, you know, I often educate my community about like junk lighting and like, you know, circadian, you know, indoor lighting kind of mismatch with kind of like what the sun's going out there. And then we have some of our friends right in the community who just put people on you know, a light diet and like getting outside and being with nature and, you know, how much that changes people. So I am curious, how do you approach circadian rhythm with people? All of the things that you talk about, I think this, these are so important. And in our modern times, we're not connected to nature as much as we should be. So for some people with that brain fog and the morning fatigue, 
what can work really, really well is stepping outside and getting some sunshine, right? For five, 10, 15 minutes. And that can actually help to raise your cortisol levels naturally. Making sure for um, for some people too that if they have low blood glucose in the morning, oftentimes you know you have the the triad of low blood pressure, low blood glucose, and low cortisol in the morning, and people that are chronically fatigued. So I'll recommend going and doing an adrenal kickstart drink where you have your orange juice, you mix it with some coconut milk, and you mix it with some protein powder and some electrolytes or sea salt, and then you kind of get that healthy boost in your glucose so you can feel alive and awake you you know who you are you know where you are right we make that connection you get this rise in your blood pressure from the sea salt and electrolytes and you know our body has this beautiful feedback system when these things go up our cortisol is going to also help go up and we move your caffeine a little bit just a tad bit you can still have it right so <laughs> But you, you let your body produce its cortisol naturally. And, you know, I've been there as a new mom and no judgment. I've crawled to that coffee machine, right? And first thing you do, it's like uh, coffee first. But actually getting connected with nature and the natural sunshine and getting some nutrition into your body, do those things first. And your body can actually start producing cortisol naturally without, without being so dependent on the caffeine. Yeah, the in in the hydration, right? And the minerals and the hydration, you know, first thing before we kind of dehydrate ourselves sometimes with coffee. So I'm sure you get this question a lot, right? So in the health and wellness community, there's a lot of talk about like intermittent fasting and time restricted eating and, you know, fasting for 24 hours and, you know, all the things. And so when people have, you know, kind of this adrenal dysfunction right now and are in this healing mode, how do you approach people who are curious about intermittent fasting? I think that can be such a fabulous and helpful protocol where if you are healthy enough to do it, then it can be incredibly helpful for growing new mitochondria, right? For autophagy, for for becoming healthier. But you do need a baseline for that. So typically, if you have really low cortisol throughout the day and you have low mitochondrial function, you're going to feel worse doing all the things that the average person will say makes them feel better, right? So you're going to be doing exercise and you're going to be exhausted after that instead of that giving you more energy, right? If you do too much or the wrong kind of exercise for you, you could be exhausted from socializing with people, right? You're going to need a few days rest. You fast, that can be exhausting for your system too. That might make you feel worse. And so initially, and it's it's a four-week program where you know, I really focus on supporting the mitochondria, the circadian rhythm, the blood sugar balance, and all of these patterns and getting you on enough protein and fat to get you into that thriving state. Because, you know, typically people, and it depends on, you know, I should say it depends on where you are on your healing spectrum. So if you have normal cortisol output or too high cortisol, some of that fat, some of the fasting and the aerobic exercise all of those things can be incredibly helpful. And I feel, I, I always try to talk, I always want to make sure that people are tuned into like how you feel about something. And I have people do an inventory of this makes me feel better and this makes me feel worse. And make that list for yourself. Yeah. And just be very connected with that. If, you know, aerobic exercise is making you feel better, 
then you've got the right dose, you've got the right medicine. If fasting is making you feel better, you've got the right dose, you've got the right medicine. If it's not though, let's really focus in and you know, shift what you're doing. I have women that come to me and they'll be waking up throughout the night hungry, right? And sometimes they're skipping breakfast and they're drinking their coffee and they're doing their exercise. And I'll say, I know you're doing all the things that are supposed to make you feel better, but we're going to change things up because right now this is not working for you, right? You're tired, you're gaining weight, you're waking up throughout the night. Let's focus on connecting you with the circadian rhythm, getting you super nourished. And part of that is going to be protein and fat for breakfast and then support your mitochondria. And then you'll be able to tolerate more exercise. You'll be able to tolerate fasting and you can kind of do do some of these advanced hacks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a great point. Because I think people jump the gun sometimes. And, you know, like they just kind of there's so much, you know, hype, or, you know, they're hearing a talk, and they want to do anything to feel better. And then they're actually depleting themselves, you know, before, you know, they're ready to do that. Everything's timing, right? Medicine is timing. you know, I had a mentor, the right remedy at the right time with the right support, you know, I think he, he would say to me, and I got that in my head. And I guess, you know, some people have those continuous uh, glucose monitors now, right? And for better or worse, right? All this technology and all this information, right? That we have, you know, I've seen some of my patients have when they've, when we've decided to do that, that they've had low blood sugar, even in the evening. And that's, you know, waking them up. And, you know, all of a sudden, they're like getting this feedback of like, when they feel worse, you know, their blood sugar is going down. So do you how do you feel about CGMs? Do you like them? Or are you recommending them at this point? I love them. I think they're fabulous. I'll tell you a funny story. I wore one and I was like, I feel like me being a guinea pig doesn't work so well with wearing one because I was like, let's see what happens if I drink rosé for the whole day, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Is this good for me? You know, right, right. I'm like, huh, let's see what happens here. And I was like, I don't normally eat these things, but let me let me see what happens if I have, you know, like a big muffin for breakfast, right? With all this sugar. And yeah, it's a thing. So you, it's amazing for people that want to get connected to their bodies because it can provide you with real-time feedback. So you're waking up at 3 a.m. and you don't know why, and that can help you dial it down. It's like, oh, I didn't have protein with breakfast today, or I skipped dinner, or I had a dinner that was too light, or I had too much wine, right? So <laughs> whatever the reason is, it can be incredibly helpful to kind of get that real time feedback, but but yeah, don't don't use it as a permission slip to try all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Yeah, I think you know that nothing like biofeedback, right, to really tell us you know the truth of what's happening. So you mentioned mitochondria, right? And mitochondria is you were learning so much every year about mitochondrial health and really you know, how damaged your mitochondria are, right? And how we need to really look at how to make them work better and how to also increase, you know, mitochondria in our, you know, brain and our heart and our muscles and our body. And this is where, you know, a lot of people, I see a lot of long haulers and people have post-infectious syndromes. And, you know, we know the mitochondria get to take a big hit, right? And so I think it's the timing of you talking about this with your ATP protocol is awesome because there's, 
I think they said like maybe 22 million people affected by long haulers. Don't quote me on that, but it's like that kind of number. So how do you, most of my patients or everyone who's listening knows about mitochondria, so we can just jump in. So how do you approach mitochondrial health while we're transforming adrenal health? So a lot of the things that help the adrenals also help the mitochondria. So vitamin C, the B vitamins, magnesium, electrolytes, all these things are fabulous. Making sure that you're connected with the circadian rhythm. This is going to work really well to support mitochondrial health, making sure you have good sleep at night with all that beautiful melatonin. That's going to be incredibly healing for your mitochondria. And the other kind of things that I like to utilize is adaptogens that have some side benefits. So rhodiola can be very helpful for mitochondrial health. And then the two things that I've added into the program for people are L-carnitine. So this is something that helps to transport fatty acids into the mitochondria so they can make more ATP, make more energy. And then D-ribose. The D-ribose has been studied in chronic fatigue syndrome and can help relieve um, a lot of the fatigue. I believe that these two ingredients are part of the high success rate of my program, where like 92% of people will have less brain fog within just a few weeks, and then they feel stronger, their fatigue, it just gets really, really improved within just a few weeks. So that's that's kind of the, the foundational program. And I go through, it's like a four-week plan. I try to choose just, you know, we focus on the nutritional safety signals. So plenty of fat, that's great for the mitochondria as well. We really focus on blood sugar balanced eating throughout the day, removing some of the inflammatory foods like gluten and dairy and soy being the main ones, focusing on super nutrient dense foods. And then, you know, this is, this is kind of what we do for four weeks. And I have a comprehensive plan with nutrition, circadian rhythm, some mind, body and techniques to boost resilience. And then after the four weeks plan, I also have like further guidance on if you're still having symptoms, if you're kind of in this category, let's say you are in perimenopause and you've seen a lot of improvements, but there's still a little bit of things you need to tweak, you know, potentially looking into progesterone or you're still having libido issues, potentially look into these few things. And it's very much guided by a person's symptoms to, to help them feel alive and vital and full of energy like they're meant to feel. Yeah, that's awesome. How many people have you? I mean, it's so great that you have all this data, right, to share what you've already learned and put people through this program. But did you do like a a little study with your, you know, beta test to your protocol before you brought it to market? I did. So I actually have released it as a group program seven times. The first group was was just under two hundred people, and then you know every every kind of time we released it, I've been tweaking it because my goal is always like at least 80% improvement, right? To making sure that everything is, is working really well for people. And so I've gotten a lot of feedback over the last few years to turn it into like the most helpful guide that I possibly could, where I had a lot of different strategies in there and we've narrowed it down to like 14 safety signals that kind of make the most, um, produce the, the best results for people. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, it's great to have that feedback. And I love how you're aiming for 80%, right? Some drugs that go to market are like 
you know, 30 to 40%, you know, effective. So 80% is a really awesome, you know, it's a B minus. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, the majority of people you'll get. What about, you know, I'm just curious, just, you know, picking your brain, you know, you kind of obviously made that connection with blastocystis hominis before. Do you see like, you know, any kind of post-infectious syndromes or toxicants or anything really dampen kind of the adrenals response over time? Like, do you see that as part of the picture? So many different things can contribute to the adrenal stress. And it's essentially what happens when our body is overwhelmed by too much stress. And then we shift into that survival mode. So things like, you know, psychological stress, eating too much sugar can cause it sleep deprivation. I feel like, you know, probably this audience knows about most of these things, you know, maybe history of trauma can also shift us into that HPA axis dysfunction. What's probably, you know, what's interesting for for us is the chronic infections can send us into that stress response too. And toxins like mold toxicity can be a really powerful driver of um, suppressing the mitochondria, right? And shifting us into that survival mode. One thing that I've I've been very interested in is ammonia toxicity. So that's a really, that can be very damaging to our mitochondria. And this is something that builds up in our bodies. If we're constipated, for example, if we have H. pylori, if we're not digesting our proteins for people with the CBS gene mutation. And so the kind of patterns and connections that I've made, and I'm so excited to get to talk about this with you, is the the people that have the brain fog and they have a lot of fatigue and they wake up a lot throughout the night, right? So they're going to have ammonia toxicity and if they're constipated. And so what the protocol that I have in the main protocol to focus on that is magnesium citrate, sarcomyces boulardii, and actually carnitine. Carnitine helps to clear ammonia out of the body. Sarcomyces boulardii helps to suppress some of the pathogens that produce ammonia And then magnesium citrate, you know, has a lot of benefits, including moving the bowels and people who are constipated. So this is kind of the foundation. And a lot of people do see that response in the brain fog. And then I talk about like, I have a section, which I think you'll appreciate that um, goes into some advanced protocols. If you're having trouble sleeping and you're waking up frequently throughout the night, utilizing something like ornithine can be even like in in, in addition to the kind of foundational four-week nutrition, lifestyle change, uh, six supplement protocol, there's additional ways to address whatever else is going on in your body in in kind of the back of the book. That's awesome. Yeah, my, you know, my neural network in my brain thinks ammonia and ornithine sometimes, you know, with kind of the supplementation that I've used over the years and how that's really great for the liver. So I'm so glad that you're adding that to that. And I've I've tested ammonia in a handful of patients over the years, you know, it's not the top of mind, but it's such a great reminder because of, you know, the checklist that you just, you know, shared with us. So really great clinical pearl there. So thank you. Thank you, you know, for that. You, you mentioned melatonin. So we're like melatonin freaks over here. We love melatonin. You know, we use like liposomal melatonin and transdermal and suppository and higher dose melatonin because of the, you know, I just feel like we're like in a melatonin deficient time, right? You know, there's so many things that are 
impacting your melatonin and then the mitochondria rate make melatonin as well, which I, I learned only like maybe a year or two ago. So what's your approach to melatonin? Because there's still a lot of, you know, confusion around there. Like if you take it, is it bad for you? Will it make me not make melatonin? Like wh- what's your what's your stance on melatonin? This is kind of a tough question because I have so many different opinions on it. So part of me wants to say you can utilize your own body to produce more melatonin if your cortisol is low or if you if you have high cortisol in the evenings, let's focus on that to try to get that normalized so you could produce your own melatonin, right? So making sure you're shutting out the blue lights from your life, all of these things, making sure you're getting enough protein in your diet that can, you know, is a precursor to L-tryptophan, making sure you have enough P5P on board so you can make some of your beautiful neurotransmitters. So kind of covering all the bases and also, holy cow, like mega dose melatonin can help so many things. So I feel like there's a time and place for it. I feel like it can have such incredible therapeutic effects. So can we do both? I mean, can we do natural ways to boost melatonin? I kind of, I don't love when people say just take melatonin to sleep, right? Like, I feel like we want to do the other things to make sure we're, we're fully in balance. But if you can use that to support your mitochondrial health and, you know, I've, I've seen incredible and just some incredible doctors utilizing it for, for all kinds of things that we didn't think were, you know, curable, then I'm all for it. Right. So it's, it's, it's so interesting because some of these therapeutic things like that our body normally produces in small doses when we mega dose them, they can, they can act in a really powerful way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, you know, the naturopath in me, like definitely, you know, of course, like what can we do, you know, in our lifestyle and our circadian biology, it's like, you don't get a hall pass for that. It's just, you know, we've also seen, you know, melatonin as like a detox agent, right. You know, for like the brain and, you know, so I, yeah, I think that conversation continues to evolve. Right. But I, I really, value melatonin at this point. I'm not, yeah, I'm not against it. I'm just like, let's make sure we're not just giving you a band-aid. Like let's make sure we do that. And I love utilizing like really kind of these nutrients and mega doses in many cases with kind of like the orthomolecular approach where you really bypass, you're, you're doing more than just activating those receptors or replenishing a deficiency. You can actually create some really powerful modulation of, you know, the immune response in the body. So it's, it's so exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it's a rabbit hole for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure you didn't put it, you know, in the protocol cause it's not always accessible for everybody, but are there, you know, any exciting, like therapeutics or tools that you personally do like to balance your adrenals? Like, so for me, like I'm really into like quantum biology and frequency and light therapy and, you know, meditation and, you know, all the things, all the tools. And so I'm just curious, you know, anything that you feel like sharing with the audience that might not be for everybody or a starting point, but where you've just had fun exploring and want to just chat about, because I'm always trying to swap, like, what are you doing? I'm doing this, right? You know, so. So the things that I've done over the years, I've done a lot of like personal transformation work. I've worked with EMDR to kind of get rid of a lot of my past traumas so I can just. I 
I'm currently in the process of doing that. I had an EMDR session before, you know, our, our podcast today. That's so fun. It's so life-changing yeah. because you can repattern your whole brain in like one to two, sometimes three sessions where something that would trigger you doesn't bother you anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, it's wild, right? It is so incredibly helpful. I did this. I had a the first time I was exposed to it. I was in a traumatic car accident where I was driving down like a six lane highway, right? And I was going fast with my girlfriend in the car, and I had my college refrigerator in the back of the car. And we were going home for summer from college, and my one of my tires was low in air, and the tire popped. Right when I was going, like, I don't know, I was going way too fast on the highway, right? And I spun out of control across the other three lanes of oncoming traffic. We survived by miracle. And I ended up in a ditch with whiplash and like PTSD. Like I couldn't get in a car without crying after that. Wow. And so thankfully EMDR was something that I did. And I was like, okay, now I could drive again. It took, I believe it took maybe two sessions of EMDR to do that. And so I've done a lot of that over the years. I took a break of about a decade and then, then I kind of was like, okay, yeah, maybe there's some things I need to revisit to help me be my best self. So I've done a ton of sessions of that. I've done a lot of neurofeedback. So just kind of I love it. I, you know, you kind of listen to this music and it's relaxing. And as soon as your brain starts, you know, getting into like that, you know, like awful negative thought zone, the music kind of interrupts and you're kind of like, no, no, bring me back that good music again. And then the brain like learns to essentially be more in that positive, like productive state. So I've done, I don't know how many sessions of that now over the years, and then the thing that I do on a daily basis, and I, you know, at different points in my lifetime, I've done a lot more. At this time, I do a daily Epsom salt bath, right? And I mean, like, it, it's kind of a joke between my husband and I, because we each get an Epsom salt bath. And I typically would recommend for people to start with 10 to 15 minutes a day. I will be in that bath for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half if I have a tough day. And my husband will be like, Isabella. Like you need to get out of the bath. Like it's your safe place, right? It's your, your bubble, your cocoon, right? Absolutely. And the thing that I've noticed is my deep sleep will be at around three hours a night, which that's incredible, which I'm 40, which, you know, it's supposed to be something like 40 minutes or an hour. And that's when our body really repairs ourselves. And I've noticed that just been connected to just me doing the Epsom salt baths and I could walk in stressed out, achy like anxious, whatever the case, like if I had a tough day, I get in and I stay in as long as I like, you know, until I feel better, basically. Sometimes it's like 10 minutes. Sometimes my husband like, you know, sends my son in the bathroom and says, when is mommy going to come out? Right. Great tips. I'm just always curious with those, you know, tools and tips that are out there. There's so many these days. So thank you for that. And Isabella, as we wrap up, this is incredible. So much great information and great knowledge. And what a gift to put this all in a protocol and a book that people can really start to integrate right away, right? It's not too difficult and it can be, you know, transformative, right? So is there anything left on your heart that you want to share about this adrenal transformation that you've been through and what you're really hoping for everyone who touches this book and this experience gains? 
I just hope that people who are like exhausted and brain fogged and fatigued and anxious, that you'll take the chance and do some of these interventions for yourself because I mean, you're meant to be vibrant. You're meant to be full of energy just because it's common. It doesn't mean it's normal. And there is a way to thrive again. And it can take a short amount of time, like three to four weeks. Like I encourage you to try some of these things. You can always go back to what you were doing before. If you don't like it, if it doesn't work for you, but give it three to four weeks, take that time to create some space for yourself. You can really thrive and have this solid foundation of healing yourself and show up however you want in the world. I've had women who have gone through the program and they're like, I, I decided to write a novel and it's my first novel and they're like 70, right? Or people that can finally, I mean, they just feel so good and you can release all of these symptoms and in, in such a short amount of time that this is why I've been, I decided to write it to get this out into the world. And I, I hope that people will take the time to invest in themselves and just really focus on their healing and create that space. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, where can everybody find your amazing book and just how to connect with you and get started? My book is Adrenal Transformation Protocol. It's a four-week plan to shed stress symptoms to go from surviving to thriving. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. And then my website is thyroidpharmacist.com. I have a guide at thyroidpharmacist.com slash ABC where people can get some of the foundational things like the adaptogens, B vitamins, vitamin C, a little bit more information about stress reduction. And then, then I'm on social media every now and then on Instagram and Facebook, wherever you guys hang out, you could come and find me. Awesome. We'll have all that information in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. I learned a lot from you today and I'm, I'm really grateful for being together in the space today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure and it's been so much fun. Thank you all for listening to The Spectrum of Health. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Dr. Isabella Wentz. Please check out all the information in the show notes on how you connect with her book and her community and that free download that she mentioned at the end. I hope that you have been enjoying these podcasts. It's an honor to be serving you and for you to be part of my community. And I hope that you have a beautiful day.